Ellie, what's going on? Where's Joey? She's gone. What do you mean, she's gone? They've taken her. Who's taken her? Who's taken her, Danny? No. No, no, no. You told me that you were fucking out. I am out. Then what the fuck have you done? Huh? What the fuck have you done, it's Danny? Hi guys, my name is Damien Lee. I'm the cinematographer and the producer for Watch the Sunset, Australia's first one-take feature film. Join us next week on the podcast where you'll learn about how we shot the film and much more. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favourite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is the Ryan Reynolds starring superhero vehicle Deadpool which many of you hopefully would have seen by now. It's done fantastic at the box office. But if you haven't seen it, uh, we will be discussing the film with spoilers. So uh, heads up, Deadpool, let's do this thing. Tell me, uh, the the curse of the superhero movie. When you do a bad one, uh, Ryan Reynolds did Green Lantern, then he had a great one with Deadpool. Uh, we saw Chris Evans do not so well as the Human Torch, and now he's Captain America. This gives me great hope for Ben Affleck, by the way, who was not so good at uh, Daredevil. Daredevil. And he might do a great job as uh, Batman. Uh, re- exactly. Remember Ryan Reynolds also did Wolverine with the same character, and this is obviously of referenced course. in the movie. And he also was in Blade 3, I think Trinity, uh, it might be called. And he's gotten, like, at the point of Green Lantern when that came out, he got so much hate by a lot of people. And I- I'm glad to say that, Show, say that Deadpool really show, showed it's all about how the directors and the writers take it and Ryan Reynolds was always just giving it his all no matter how bad the the role was you know like I, I really thought after Wolverine we would never see a Deadpool adaptation like it was just like the, the nail in the coffin and I do understand that it was an uphill battle for Tim Miller, Ryan Reynolds and team to get this movie finally greenlit. Here's the thing I mean it did take a very long time wasn't like we saw Deadpool pop up two years later. Uh, we had to wait years and years in development, and uh, from what I've heard, they leaked some footage that was pretty fantastic, and then all the fans got on board. It's interesting to have a movie character like Deadpool, you can't see his mouth, so technically they can make all the lines and the quips and all the jokes and references afterwards. that he does <laughs> afterwards and yeah, they, they could keep going at it as well until like oh he didn't get it right on the day and as long as his lips were moving you know they can just get that voiceover to get it uh, to, to a point where they get it absolutely right exactly and i'm happy to say the best part about the film i enjoyed it too it's non-stop laughs but the best thing about it is all the references and the pop culture and breaking down the wall. My favourite line was probably that um, Professor Xavier line, where... uh, (laughs) Which timeline is this? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, that is exactly what fanboys will be arguing. So for him to take the argument head-on, it makes him a fanboy, really. No, I thought it was fantastic. And also, he's merciless. He's a mercenary. 
and he's the merc with a mouth, so he's chatty, but he also kills, which is a great combination. You know, it took me a while to warm up to the character of Deadpool. I haven't read any of the comic books, like, I only heard about him, and I knew he was a mixture of comedy and violence, so I was kind of imagining a 60s Spider-Man just with a lot more blood, which I think is pretty much what we got, and I have to admit... I found the character of Deadpool in the opening here very smug and very annoying. I hated how he would kill a henchman, say a witty line, and then other henchmen, other henchmen would fire. And, you know, it was just rinse and repeat for that whole overpass sequence, which was a huge chunk um, of the movie. And to me, that technique was so distracting from the reality of the story. And I don't mind when Deadpool talks to the camera breaking the fourth wall, but there were moments during the fight on the overpass, like he kills a couple of henchmen, says a funny line, and then goes back to fight but it was like all the henchmen froze for Deadpool to say that line it was like okay is he done let's go you know like it really butchered some of that drama for me and the henchmen didn't even pose a threat at that point did you watch Wolverine or the Wolverine yeah uh, so you had seen the incarnation of Deadpool they did before yeah I thought I really didn't like that movie Wolverine uh, yeah I thought it was terrible the special effects in that movie specifically really um, annoyed me <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, as well, that movie had a leaked version with no special effects, so many people have only seen the terrible, like, as Hugh Jackman described it, seeing the bride without her dress on, on her wedding day, type version of the film. The interesting thing for me about Deadpool is how basic the story is, and how basic, like, what we're getting. We're getting a few set pieces, a few key scenes, and the rest is sort of chat in these set pieces yeah it's a really straightforward comic book origin movie where you have the creation of the hero and the girl and the climactic battle with the bad guys it, it ju- it's just grounded on this familiar structure but yeah it throws everything it can on its comedy cards um that you know it plays all the time like it, it's it plays on the narrative it plays on pop culture references and things like that i really hope the jokes don't date Um, when you go this far with pop culture references like if we look back in 10 years and just have to remind ourselves oh that's right he's referring to this and that that's always the danger with pop culture references but yeah well the tv show 30 rock i'm very worried about that dating because (laughs) when you watch episodes of that it's exactly specific to the year it's in and then two years later you might not get i have the same feeling with community (laughs) ah very good well we're worried about all that but um all right with deadpool the trailer tells us that someone's kidnapped his future baby mama so we know the plot from the get-go uh the comedy i think is what saves the film because people say it's hilarious and then you your friends go watch it and that's why it's made so much money you know it's like word of mouth the brilliant ad campaign as well the marketing team they had on this i think they did an absolutely fantastic job we all have to bear in mind that this is an r-rated movie as well and i think Uh, like the fans are the real winners here um and i have a lot of respect for ryan reynolds um you know and uh, a lot of respect for tim miller i think the director's name was they they stuck i'm pretty sure it was uh, an overpaid tool okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they all stuck to their guns they stuck to the original source material and they refused to like they this could have easily been like a watered down origin movie like fantastic four 
just something you know to to get mainstream audiences to watch but they ignored all of that and stuck to the original source material and um that's why i like despite me saying i didn't like deadpool at the beginning i found him really smug like it wasn't until he started getting cancer it was when i started warming up to him and that's when the jokes for me started hitting a lot more um at, at that point but um yeah like uh sticking to the source material like they just came out as winners like i think they deserve all the credit they get and um this movie success is a testament to that like well done to the whole team absolutely and i was going to just say the the marketing the viral marketing and deadpool was everywhere there was a petition to have deadpool uh host saturday night live as deadpool like as ryan reynolds hosting as deadpool everywhere you looked you saw this film and it was i'm guessing the marketing budget was massive in retrospect but um obviously worth every penny when it's a success i guess what's now for deadpool like um do you the thing was you only had colossus and uh what was her name sonic death yeah. monkey or something <laughs> death nuke <laughs> nuke something yeah negasonic negasonic all right yeah, <laughs> negasonic which... teenage warhead yeah, I didn't know her character at all. I knew Colossus from the X-Men movies and the comics. It's funny how um, we only got two of them, as if they couldn't afford to get any other X-Men <laughs> That was That was brilliant. Which, exactly. And it was true, because they, because it was R-rated, they had less money. And so because they had less money, they cut things down, you know. It was interesting, too, when Colossus takes off in the, like, plane at um, Xavier's school, I was like, oh... I guess Colossus is at a level where he can just go do missions by himself. Because, of course, you can't have him have a scene with Professor Xavier or anybody because uh, you can't afford them. So uh, the, uh, Orson Welles said the enemy of art is the absence of uh, limitations. And um, you, certainly the limitation here was the budget, but they worked so well with that limitation. It created so many jokes that they could bounce off. Oh, well, we can only afford these two. Let's just reference that, the fact that we can only um, um, have these two characters. Just brilliant. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think you would see Deadpool joining the X-Men anytime soon. So the sequel, we're going to get Cable, which... Um, just jumping ahead at the end of the movie after the credits I stuck around the, for that yeah I had a perfect. really packed audience as well I was third row from the front as well oh some people always leave they um they see the credits start and they just go for the door usually that's um, me because I have to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> you seem to get that a reference to that on every podcast <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I'm like I have to explain why I missed certain points like our Everest podcast how I missed the first moment they actually made it to the top because I had to go to the bathroom. Oh, I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, they made it. They made it up to the top. <laughs> the the scene at the beginning, like I think Tim Miller has a special effects background, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. Um, we know him from uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. He did the intro to that movie. That was brilliant. Oh, nice. Yeah. That whole opening title sequence, you know, with all the overpaid tool, as I said, and... Uh, <laughs> just all the mix of names you know you're laughing before anybody's said a word um it was a lot of fun the whole movie was fun and now you would think if we get a sequel uh which you know has been greenlit uh because of how much money it made and how you know beloved the character now appears to be it feels to me like a more successful ant-man you know because ant-man was a very small scale story pardon the pun and um that was a lot of fun as well 
yeah, it's it just it's just a G-rated version of um, Deadpool in the sense of or an origin story, if you if you will, a small scale one. Yeah, for sure. And you know, doing these like side superheroes that then you can bring into the bigger universe. I am questioning. You know, we're going to see Ant Man in um, Civil War. Maybe we'll see Deadpool pop up in um, Apocalypse. Is, like is that Apocalypse. a possibility with it being because I, I understand Fox owns uh, X Men, Deadpool. And not no longer Spider Man, is that right? I think they're lending Spider Man to Marvel. I see, I see. Uh, for Civil, but th- they can never like Deadpool can never go into the universe of Avengers or anything like that. I mean, anything's possible. Sure. Um, with with Spider Man being lent out, of course. Yes. As an example, sure. Yeah. So I mean, any deals can be made, and you know, the bottom line is basically what affects everything. If it's going to be the biggest film in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Do you think uh, Deadpool was too invincible at some points? Like, he might have that Superman factor that, you know, there is a point where the bad guys just can't do anything. He just seems to keep healing and healing. Yes, but I also thought Ajax slash Francis the villain was the same. Uh, They made him a bit too invincible, and that was my real issue with the film, was that I, I thought he was just really strong as a power, and I think he mentions not having healing powers like I wish I had... Wolverine's healing power but he still manages to sort of take a lot of punishment and get up you know uh that I knew nothing about him as a villain and no me either. I think I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he was created just for this story obviously I don't like think some he, British guy <laughs> I don't think he was I just don't think he's a real major character I found him to be probably the most boring part um, I went for their love story. I thought it was great. The montage, yeah, fantastic. The montage of days, like Happy International Women's Day, Happy uh, you know Halloween, where they're just hooking up with each other. Uh, they had kind of a nice meet cute, and um, you know I think she did a good job. I mean, Marina Baccaran, is that yeah, how you pronounce oh boy. it? You're going to test yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> She's a very beautiful lady, and I think all geeks and movie nerds fell in love with her from firefly i think she was in yeah um yeah everyone just fell in love with her it's just great like i wish she had more roles for her to shine she's not just a pretty face i think she actually has quality acting talent there i'd Um, say homeland as well she's in homeland as um the wife of brody who comes back uh from you know they find him after years anyway and uh, great, um, that was a great little cameo by Stan Lee, probably his most daring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it, he introduces some strippers. I was the only one in my cinema laughing at that. <laughs> it happened very quickly, but here's the problem. Every time a joke got cracked that was really good, everyone would laugh and then they would miss the next joke. Because yes, it, it yeah. Up so well, qu- yeah. the ratio for me was 70 misses, 30 hits right um like a lot of the jokes either went over my head or i just simply didn't think it was that funny usually it's the former i'm pretty dumb when it comes to pop culture stuff or any jokes for that matter but the but that's still a pretty good ratio that makes me laugh more than any standard comedies you know and one of the good things was everything was sort of fucked up there was constant crude humor and uh, it felt very much like an adult film yeah well i'm really worried that the wrong lessons are going to be learned from this like this is definitely going to open the gates for r-rated comic book movies i heard wolverine 3 is going to be a rated r and what i hope hollywood doesn't do is learn all the wrong lessons from this and that starts 
pushing, say, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 to be more violent, to have quippier lines. The wrong lessons could be learnt from this, when in fact there is only one massive lesson to learn from the Deadpool success, and that is to stay to the original, stay true to the original source material. Stick to your guns, and you'll make a good movie. And I think a very underrated comic book movie that came out in 2008 is Punisher Warzone, starring Ray Stevenson and Dominic West, and it was also directed by a lady, uh, Lexi Alexander, and that's an R-rated comic book movie that stuck faithfully to the original comic book. It just didn't have the star power to draw in a wide audience, but I think it was very good. The movie spent more time with the bad guys than Deadpool. Um, like I felt like some of the bad guys in Deadpool were just too 2D, and whereas uh, Punisher Warzone, we spent a bit more time with the bad guys, so you got to know them just a little bit more. There was still 2D as far as I'm concerned, but you you just there's certain more layers um, revealed to them. But um, yeah, I just hope Hollywood just do- doesn't start going aggressively pushing these comic book movies that don't need to go to that tone so to speak but i'm really happy that we do have a very successful r-rated comic book movie because it gives way for more you know possible punishes and i heard lobo is a, a dc version that they're looking for one thing i thought about when i was watching the film and i wasn't super familiar with deadpool uh was that he's kind of like the breaking bad of heroes because you know he mentions liver lung prostate brain cancer all things i can live without uh he's kind of doing it to stay alive and then to get the girl back and initially he kind of doesn't care and he sort of tries everything else i guess um he's a very reluctant hero he mentions i might be super but i'm no hero and he says you know technically this is a murder and he does everything to kind of reject the hero title which is being bestowed upon him and he shoots the guy at the end, which is a very important point. Oh, yeah, when Colossus is doing his big speech about how it only takes about five moments to be a hero, you know, forgiving someone or letting someone live, or what, and he just gets bored and he shoots him in the I head. saw that coming a mile away. <laughs> now, did Ajax die? Oh, I'm not too sure. That's Gina Carano's character? Well, the British villain. Oh, the British villain. Francis. Yes, I'm assuming he did. He got shot in the head and he killed him. But, okay. All right, fair enough. See, for a second I thought, oh, he's going to survive this. And, like, because, you know, villains have that kind of moment where they come back and come back and they're not dead. And I thought we would see him in a sequel. But that's fine because I don't really care for him as a villain anyway. He's not going to join the X-Men then, Deadpool. And if they bring... That was kind of clear at the end, yeah. Yeah, and he's obviously not a hero because he's shooting that guy in the head. Uh, So what do you do next, story-wise? Say you're given the script and uh, they say to you we want to have a Deadpool sequel obviously it's R-rated as well you know how do you make this bigger and better because I I don't know much about Deadpool he probably has an arch enemy in the comic book series and if I was them I would go straight to that if you like Daredevil's main enemy is Kingpin and he has a huge huge battle with him in Frank Miller's Born Again and if that's the case if there is a big epic graphic novel story arc in the Deadpool franchise I would go straight to that we got the green light to do whatever we want let's go to let's go to the, um, the main thing that everyone loves Deadpool for if there is a story arc to go there like um, Bat- they're doing I, I, credit to DC and um, everyone involved for doing Batman versus Superman because that's a very important factor in the DC universe and they, they, you know, they're playing their biggest card right away so to speak I'm hopeful for Batman versus Superman I'm just going to put it on record but 
If I were Warner Brothers, I would be worried. Really, if it is not well received, then the whole universe will be not well received. People might watch Wonder Woman and be, you know, wowed by that. There's a certain Xena warrior princess about her. I mean, I'm very... That's a good point. I want to say it's going to make a lot of money regardless, but bear in mind Terminator Genesis made a lot of money. Uh, enough to warrant three sequels or whatever but the movie was so critically received fans hated everyone generally hated terminator genesis they went yeah we're not making a sequel anymore despite it being a very profitable movie the same thing could happen to batman vs superman the first card i was going to say there play there against what you were saying being worried about batman superman don't worry dave it's going to make a lot of money but again if it's not um, man of steel made a lot of money you know, that yeah. didn't make it a better film. Because remember, we, we reviewed that. And but we they're still making a sequel from it. It wasn't completely rejected. Like, but it, this it's is not the a sequel. Batman vs. Superman is yes. kind of Man of Steel 2. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what we'll see next, if this fails, is a solo Batman movie. Because we're moving further away from Superman, which is what people didn't like. Um, and that's fine. I mean, I think Ben Affleck will do a good job. I just think that I already know the story knowing that they're going to form the Justice League and they've already told us Justice League's coming and they gave away too much in the trailer sure and Batman fights Superman for 45 minutes to an hour of the film you know we have a moody build up where Batman we see him in the streets in Man of Steel uh, the final fight and we see how Batman was affected and then we see you know Lex Luthor that's fine we have the slow build up and then they fight each other for a bit and the problem that I have is then worse things happen, they have to team up, they begrudgingly have a respect for each other by the end, and they kind of go, you know, working with you wasn't so bad, and then they become friends by the end, leading towards Justice League. I feel like I've seen the film, in a way. So Sounds amazing, I can't wait to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's just their main story arc, the two of them. So, I'm really hoping for some interesting subplots, I'm hoping that, um, Wonder Woman is introduced and used in a good way. I'm hoping Wonder Woman isn't like a love interest for Batman and then for Superman and... There's a triangle. Yeah, a love triangle. Like, that feels like something they could sort of touch on later in just That's so League. lame. <laughs> that seems like the kind of crap they'll do and um, that's what makes me worried, you know? Um, I feel like Suicide Squad's going to be a home run by comparison. Uh, did you hear they're going back on that? Like, uh, I think it's rumours. I think I overheard a... Uh, overheard it and I, I'm it, it was meant to be a joke and I'm taking it more serious but is Suicide Squad they're going back on it to make it more R because of the success of Deadpool like uh, I hear jokes like um, Hollywood's now just running through comic books finding the most R rated ones because Deadpool was such a huge success you know it was so enormous now Hollywood's just hungry for R rated movies and they got these movies that are ready to cu- shoot out you know these these cannons all loaded but now they're going back and checking them going can we put R ratings here can this guy start swearing you know <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me if that was the case well I mean Suicide Squad feels like the kind of movie you could put a few particularly violent Abs- things in. Absolutely, yeah. There was, a, uh, I think, an animated movie where, where there were sex scenes, very brutal language, very violent action sequences, and that was definitely, you know, MA to R rating. So they could really definitely up the movie Suicide Squad to an R rating. It'll probably service them really well in the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's enough interest in it, really, that I think it's, it's going to be the same as Batman Superman in that people will go see it regardless. And it's great for Margot Robbie's career as well. 
Yeah, another Aussie in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, where would you ask me the question? Where would you go with the sequel for Deadpool? Um, where would I go with it? Where would you go? Well, uh, Marina Baccarin. I want to say I've pronounced that wrong, but we'll see. Uh, her character, San, San Diego, San, Di- <laughs> San Diego, which means a whale's vagina. Uh, anyway, her character um, has mutant abilities in the comics. Uh, I believe she's Shadow Cat or some Black Cat or something Cat, um, which, like, I mean, that sounds like the first place you would go, uh, that she gets abilities as well. There's got to be some Cable storylines, you know, some famous Cable storylines. I think that's where they'll pull from. So um, I've read a lot of comic books with Cable in it, but um, he's really part of the team, like, you know, and he leads the team, but I don't know anything about his backstory other than he's from the future. He's the son, possibly, of Gene and um, Scott Summers. Is that true? I don't it's, know. <laughs> um, it's a, in the future alternate timeline, I think. Uh, he's the son of Scott Summers and um, a clone of Gene Grey, which is Madeline Pryor. Uh, and I've seen him pop up in the cartoon series and, you know, with the X-Men. Um, but Cable is the leader of, I want to say X-Force, uh, but it could be X-Factor, I'm not sure. There's two other X-Teams in the Marvel Universe to contend with. And um, I only know him in that capacity, really, um, as well. He has a son called Tyler, who I'm aware of. Um, but, look, I'm not a Cable expert. I'm not going to pretend to be... I'm happy to just go along for the ride. It was interesting to see in Deadpool the whole um, sequence where they activate, you know, mutate or die, and they uh, activate his powers. You know, that's the real torture sequence of the film and the real opportunity for the bad guy to be a bad guy. The fact that she was in one of those, you know, uh, oxygen chambers at the end of the film sort of made me think she was going to get to mutate as well. And become Shadowcat? Or whatever. I, I don't <laughs> think it's Shadowcat, but it's some kind of cat. Sure, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah um, but I thought she was going to get to mutate as well. And then she wouldn't necessarily look ugly, um, although that's kind of the Shrek ending. You know, they're both ogres at the end, and they're happy together. So that would have worked for this as well, if uh, they both looked like avocados that had sex with an older avocado. <laughs> I think TJ Miller, the bartender, did well. What do you think? Yeah, he was great. He had so many funny lines. Like, I, I watched the trailer for the film, and I noticed, obviously, with movies, this is always going to be the case, but a lot of lines in the trailer weren't actually in the movie. So they must have just gone take after take after take and just gotten the best ones. His offsider, Ajax's offsider Angel, was just like a really generic bad guy character, too. I, I thought it was just great seeing Gina Carano. You're, you're referring to Gina Carano, of course. I think so. Is yeah, it, yeah. She was. Um, we talked about her in a podcast on Steven Soderbergh's filmography on, uh, and one of the films we covered in that podcast was Haywire. And it's great seeing more MMA fighters in movies. There is definitely like an authoritative, authoritative quality to their action pieces. That's what it was, right? Yeah, yeah. And personally, I just struggle to believe the martial arts films where you got like you have like Jet Li bash twenty people uh, with just kicks and punches that aren't really effective against another uh, trained fighter and I think one of the best recent combat scenes was Captain America 2 Winter Soldier with George St. Pierre fighting Captain America that that scene was so amazing you know um, just when you got the choreographer and the MMA fighter and then the actor all working together they come out with some really great um, action set pieces and I think Gina Carano here 
carries a lot of authenticity to her scenes and she's actually winning the fight against colossus i don't know if he could actually be choked out with that cable but it w- wasn't until um N- negasonic teenage warhead um helps um colossus yeah in, you know the, which turns the tide yeah true and there was that scene where she had her breast out and he's too much of a gentleman <laughs> and uh he's like oh no you you know you're very beautiful but <laughs> please put it away or whatever he says look the ikea stuff was really fun you know his uh zamboni killing i really enjoyed um it kind of reminded me of like austin powers with the steamroller how he's very slowly (laughs) (laughs) that got one of the biggest what got the biggest laughs in your cinema i think the hugh jackman stuff (laughs) Uh, well as 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 australians yeah definitely (laughs) the uh you know he's got a smooth pair down under you know (laughs) whose balls did i have to fondle to get my own movie and the the Hugh Jackman mask that he's been wearing the entire time <laughs> under his own mask. <laughs> I, I love it uh, when he leaves the guns behind in the taxi, and I love the the banter between the taxi driver because I can't believe you kidnapped him. That's excellent. <laughs> you have to let him go. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame we didn't get a conclusion to that, but I'm guessing he does <laughs> listen to Deadpool. <laughs> Um, the baby hand stuff got a big laugh. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. especially actually, I'm cutting off the hand initially, slipping oh, off. Was brutal. For spoilers for was 128 hours or 127, something. 127, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that stuff was all really funny. Um, nobody really laughed at the Stan Lee strip club moment. Yeah, and I was the only one in my cinema laughing at that. I mean, I, I like it. He goes, "Here comes Cheryl," or something like that. I was like, "Oh, that's that's chastity. fantastic." I think it was you know, chastity. chastity. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. It was just hilarious. Just this, you know, figure doing it at the seediest place. You know, mm. just now look, the stuff with Hugh Jackman probably got the biggest laughs, and the rude stuff like uh, the montage, how for International Women's Day, you know, she's behind him, and uh, yeah, the strip club stuff with Stanley. I think I just registered and I was like, oh, that's Stanley, but I didn't think it was funny. I just thought he's doing his cameo. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, no, I, I didn't yeah. burst out laughing. But, I, I couldn't stop laughing. Just the hilarity of Stanley as <laughs> you know introducing those those girls. Just uh, I'm thinking about it now, and it's making me laugh. I like um, the animated creatures that appeared when he had a blade in his head. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch and just sort of something crazy, you know. References to Voltron were fantastic. And you see a figurine of him as Deadpool in Wolverine. Yep. Yeah, yeah the, I wonder. I, I think they're going to skyrocket on eBay. <laughs> um. <laughs> and uh, the Adventure Time watch he was wearing. It was lots and lots of references in the film to pop culture. I think I remember a Jared from Subway reference. I, was, I, I downloaded the song they play in the end, but I think it's George Michael. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the music was really like, it felt like Deadpool's mix. Yeah, there was a sort of quality to it. I like at the end how he says maximum effort as he's trying to sort of save her. And that felt like a really great catchphrase. Uh, you would see it on t-shirts or something, you know, just maximum effort with Deadpool's face. I, I thought Colossus was a bit too CGI, but... Yeah, no, he did take me out a few times. Yeah, it wasn't quite where it could have been. Um, it was. I found it better in the movies, but I, I'm thinking of the movies, and I can barely remember him. Well, in, in X Men, I think there was a couple of scenes where he fought, but there were sort of scenes where he would, like, you would see the metal click up his face, like, click, click, you know, and that sort of was quite good. And then there was, you know, scenes where he helped people escape, but I felt like they always had the person, and then they'd metal 
kind of CGI'd over him. Whereas this one felt like he was his own CGI entity. Which, yeah, like, took me out of it, like you said. Yeah, the, the, the post-credits was great. I think it was Wham! the final song, so that was George Michael. Yeah. No, I'm just <laughs> thinking about it now. I had a lot of fun. Like, Deadpool lived up to expectations, and I had heard a lot of people say, the movie's great. I think great. it was Careless Whisper, actually, that last song that plays. Was it? Yeah. Okay, I'll take your I'm word lo- for I'm, it. I'm looking at it now. I, I downloaded it. Perfect. <laughs> well, uh, you should know then, so... <laughs> Uh, look, well, Deadpool's rocking 8.5 on IMDb, and uh, that's 235,000 people's opinion. So it's <laughs> it's got a fan base regardless. And here's the thing. I think if Ryan Reynolds didn't want to do Deadpool 2, which I'm sure he does, you could just have the character wear the mask the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. He could get fat and um, just do the voice. <laughs> yeah, just do the voiceover. That's brilliant. You know, just, just do the couple of quips here and there. Lloyd I just want to go off topic a little bit here I heard a little Star Wars theory and I like it a lot and I just wanted to sort of touch base and see what you think Rey is a goodie right she's a goodin people are speculating that she's um, Luke Skywalker's daughter things like that Uh, they've mentioned that episode 8 will be darker right and we talked about that as well. Of course. Which, I mean, I said it should be, and everyone else agreed, and they said it would, would be, and it was great. It will be darker. So, what's darker than Ray turning evil by the end of Episode 8? Now, if Kylo Ren was um, disappointed by the teachings of Luke Skywalker and turned evil, Ray is now in exactly the same position. We're going to see her meet and train with Luke and perhaps realize that he is not so great. He only was sort of partially trained himself by Yoda. Uh, You know, he was just quite good with the Force and was able to defeat his father and then went into exile or whatever. So she'll get training with Luke, be disappointed by his training, and go evil. You know, meet Snoke, meet Benicia Del Toro, meet anybody else who's Sith-related and I'm just speculating that Benicia Del Toro's character is Sith-related, and she'll go evil. By the end of the film, we'll see her in darker clothes, with a red lightsaber, whatever you like. If that's the case, then who's going to be the hero? Well, here's the thing. Kylo Ren, following the death of Han Solo, is going to feel pangs of regret, he's going to feel drawn to the good side, and he's going to turn good. So by the end of 8, they'll have swapped sides. What do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know too much about it, but um, if in that scenario, if she turns bad, I'd love it just to be Luke versus everyone. But, of course, you have to have the hero t- um, pass the torch onto a new generation. I don't know if Kylo Ren is that star quality, uh, has that star quality to carry the entire trilogy as the hero you fall in love with. But if they go in that direction, it is a very daring one. Absolutely. Like, my gosh. Um, I like the idea that she turns bad. I figure it'll be temporary, because then in 9, she'll turn good again and realise everything. And I think he'll turn bad again, but I think for a temporary kind of, you know, uh, sort of join the other side, and and that gives a good opportunity for Kylo Ren to turn traitor and and everything, um, following having some scenes with his mother, Princess Leia. You know, maybe he could just have become good to join her and kill her. And, like, the whole thing be an act. But um, I like the idea of ending 8, 
having them swapped places. I just wanted to put that there. People can comment on it. <laughs> I'm sure people will let us know what they think. Look, um, Deadpool was fantastic. Uh, we are lucky enough to have Batman vs Superman at the end of this month as well, followed by Captain America next month, Civil War. This is a big year for superhero films, and uh, again, we're probably going to try and cover them off on the podcast, so stay tuned. You guys can subscribe on iTunes to us. You can also find us on Facebook. All of the links are at podmeifyoucan.com. Feel free to rate in iTunes, you know, let us know, give us some feedback. One thing we haven't done for a while is uh, take a request. So if there's a film you guys would like us to check out on your behalf, uh, provided we haven't already covered it, uh, let us know. Drop us a line on Facebook and uh, suggest something that we can watch. Otherwise, uh, Deadpool, Lloyd, hope you enjoyed it. It's an action-adventure comedy. (laughs) Other than um, him being a bit too smug at the beginning, and then once I warmed up to him, um, this movie was rock and roll. Exactly, and I think it's a certain vibe for the film, and if you got on board with it, then you had a great time. So, uh, I think it was probably more comedy than anything else. So, I feel like we watched the first all-superhero comedy with a bit of action. Um, just, just on that gun scene you mentioned, you loved how he forgot the guns. Yeah. There was a big action sequence planned, and he forgot the guns because the budget didn't allow for it. Oh, <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, if they'd verbally said that, um, that would have been even better if yeah. they somehow worked it in. But, um, yeah, they sort of just... They had to scale everything back because they were trying this R-rated thing. They, they didn't know. They didn't know if it would work. So they were prepared to take a loss on Deadpool, I'm guessing. But um, clearly a huge success. I mean, fantastic stuff. And uh, Fox wins this one. But, and um, Ryan Reynolds gets his redemption. Yeah, DC next and Marvel after that. Stay tuned to us, guys, on Pod Me If You Can. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews. 